Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is episode number 1192 with Dwayne Wade. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. My friend, I am so pumped up because today's guest is Dwayne Wade and he is an NBA champion, Olympic gold medalist, and 13-time NBA All-Star. He's written a new photographic memoir that we dive into called Dwayne that details his life and career over the last few decades, coming from a challenging upbringing to becoming one of the greatest athletes of all time. I left this interview feeling incredibly inspired, and I know you're going to love it as well. In this episode, we talk about how Dwayne visualized his career as a child and how he learned visualization, the biggest challenges he's had to overcome in his life and his career, the routines he's developed in order to become successful, how to develop a strong mindset when you're facing losses, why it's so important to have coaches in your life that are great mentors, and so much more. This was so much fun and so entertaining and inspiring for me. So if you're enjoying this at any moment, make sure to spread the message to a friend. Post it on social media. Tag Dwayne as well as myself over on Instagram or anywhere that you're sharing this online. And if this is your first time here, please click the subscribe button right now over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure to leave us a review at the end to let us know what you enjoyed the most about this episode. And today's fan of the week is from Kyle who said, such incredible enticing info that actually helps to give real takeaways that if applied can actually make a lasting change. So Kyle, thanks for being the fan of the week and leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. And in just a moment, I bring you the one and only Dwayne Wade. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness. Very excited about our guest, the iconic Dwayne Wade in the house. Hey, Good to see you, man. Oh, I like that. Great to see you. Uh, we have you. we have a lot of mutual friends, yeah. um, and I was reaching out to them this whole week. Once we finally confirmed to make sure this was happening, I said, "Is this guy the real deal?" They're like, "He's one of the greatest fathers, husbands, and human beings in the world." They didn't even mention your Olympic gold medal. You know, NBA championships, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. They talked about your character and your heart, mm. which I'm really excited to connect with you about. Thank you. Uh, because you grew up in, in not the nicest of conditions and neighborhood, yeah. but what I, what I read from your book, which I'm so excited to talk about, is that you really grew up with a, a mindset of visualization, dreaming about playing against the great, yeah. the greats. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, how did that mindset of visualiz- visualizing your future come about? Did someone teach you this? Yeah. Did you watch <laughs> guys on TV talk about this? Like, how did you learn this and then manifest it 10, 20 years later? Well, first, give me the names of the people you reached out to so I, I can send them <laughs> their quarterly, you know, <laughs> the, the quarterly for talking good about me. Yeah. Um, but I give the credit to my sister. 
Mm. And so I grew up in the inner city of Chicago. Yeah. And uh, 59th and Prairie is is the street I, I grew up on. And that's it's a photo of my book. And it's uh -huh. one of my favorite photos of the uh, the complex that I grew up in. Um, and my sister and I shared a room. And we shared a room. At first, we didn't have a bed. Right? So we, we, we shared a room. We didn't have a bed. Where are we sleeping? We were sleeping on the floor. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were sleeping on the floor. I mean, we were, like, you know, I, I, it's, it's, people see me now and they be like, you wasn't, you was not poor. No, we were poor. Wow. You know, like, this was real. Um, so, first we were sleeping on the floor and then eventually, I remember we got a bed. We had one bed to share. And um, I would go to bed at night crying because I was hungry mm. um, or whatever. Like, my, you know, when that stomach, that, that hunger is different. Different. And, you know, you you know, lucky enough to eat once, you know, sometimes twice, you know, a day or whatever the case may be. But sometimes it may not happen. Mm. And so I would cry all the time. And my sister will always tell me every night um, to pray. She'd be like, pray, ask God for what you want. Mm. Right. And so I would do that. And she'd be, And so she would always tell me before it was time to go to bed because my stomach was hurt so bad. She'd be like, listen, go into your dreams, wow. go into your visions, you know, picture like picture the world that you want. You're right, and so every night that was that was the thing I was excited about. I was excited to go to to sleep, so I can go into this this imaginary world of like, okay, I'm fine. warm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm full, I'm yeah, it's right. yeah, like you know, like everything you think about, you know, you think about belly. food, <laughs> hot, and but that's where my visualization came from. Wow. And so as a kid, I will always visualize what I wanted for my family, what I wanted for my mother, what one day I wanted for my dad, what I wanted for myself, like so forth and so on, right, and. I just carried that vision everywhere I went because that was that was the thing that made me feel the best. And so wow. I never lost it because, that, you know, that that feel of like, oh, let me go into my, my own world. And in my own world, everything was perfect. And so wow. I would try to go into that world all the time. How old were you when your sister taught you this? I had to be probably like five. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was, wow. I was how, young. How yeah. long were you guys in the same room till? We, until I uh, until she dropped me off over my dad's, like you gotta go. Wow. Um, so until I was, my sister probably dropped me off around eight years old. Wow. I eventually moved with my dad when I was like nine, and like you know he took okay. custody of me. Um, but I guess around I don't know six, between six and eight. Okay. We were my sister eventually was like, you got you need a man, you need your dad, right? Like, you need something more than I can give because uh, my sister was kind of raising me. While my mom was was going through her journey in life, she was going through her addictions, yeah. um, you know, through life, you know, in drugs and in and out of prison and things of that nature. So my sister kind of she was responsible for me just by being the, the next sister closer to age. Wow! And she eventually told my dad, like, tap you in. You get your in. Um, but you know, we did, and we did, we did share a room together. Wow. And in there, but in that room was a lot of great things happened too. You know, sure, I don't want to yeah, make it seem like yeah, you're having fun, you're playing games. Yeah, yeah. like I learned how to read in that room. Yeah. Like I like, you know, you do all these things uh, in that room. And so at the time, you don't know how bad it is. Like yeah. I can talk about it now, and it's like what? Wow! But at the time, this is just life. Right. This is you just going from one day to the next. And so, um, but she, you know, she was kind of my guardian angel. Wow. My brother, uh, I've talked about this on my show, my brother, when I was eight, went to prison for four years for selling drugs from an undercover cop in, in Ohio, where I was growing up. And it played a, a toll on the family. It was like a big weight. Uh, you know, we would go to the prison every weekend pretty much and spend time in the visiting room. Yeah. What was that like for you with a parent coming kind of in and out of, of jail yeah. at that time? So Was it kind of normal or was it impacting you in a big way or what? Yeah, it was. I, I didn't. It was normal. Really. Let me start off that. It it was normal. Like, I was that kid that anytime I seen the police, 
you know, I would run and hide mm. because I've watched them coming, like <clears throat> handcuff and take away in the house. In the house, like, I've watched them knock down our door. Really? Boom, boom. You know, like movies when it's boom, boom, boom with the police. Like that was that was a reoccurring thing. Wow. Um, you know, in uh, in my life, you know, growing up, so uh, I was always afraid. I was always scared of police. And I remember when my mom went to prison. And my dad decided to take me to prison to talk to my mother because I really wanted to see her. I was missing her. Um, this was when I had um, my dad just got custody of me. I was like nine years old. Wow. And I remember going in and just like the movies, I'm seeing like I'm hearing all the noises and the buzzers, the mm-hmm. this, the that. You see all the people. Security going The security. Yeah. You see mm-hmm. the thick glass and mm-hmm. they on the other side. And so I sit on this glass and I'm sitting here and I'm waiting on my mother. Just like the movies. My mom come out. She's angry. I can see like the look on her face. She's mad. Um, I later find out, I later found out that she did not want my dad to bring me to prison. But mm-hmm. I insisted on seeing my mother, so my dad took me. She didn't want you to see her in that. She didn't want to see. She wanted yeah. me to see her in that environment. And but I, I just wanted to see my mom. I'm a kid, right, of course. So I go in there and talking to my mom through a phone, and it just it 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 tore me apart. Mm. Like you can't grab, you can't touch, you you can't do anything, and. And then at the end, you hang up the phone and you just leave, right? And I just remember crying so bad when I left. And I told my dad, I never want to go back. Mm. Please don't ever take me back in there. Um, but like seeing my mother on the other side of that glass uh, is an image that I would never get out of my head. Never. Um, and that was, I was nine years old. I was 30 years ago. Wow. 30 years ago. 39. And I could never get that image out of my head. You only went one time? One time. It hurt, it hurt too bad. Yeah. To see someone you love. Yeah, Your mother, tough. yeah, it's tough. Not understanding everything, don't understand why she's on the other side of that glass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it hurt to the point where I didn't want to go back. But just that fuel, like I used so much fuel through my life, and that was one of the fuels. I was like, okay, I got to get my mom out of this, right? You know, what would you say was the 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 biggest challenge that you had to heal? from your childhood, from growing up, the biggest pain or the obstacle that you felt mm. stayed with you for the longest, maybe you're still facing some of it, right. that you've had to learn how to heal to let go of? That's a great question um, because I feel like I'm still, uh, you know how you know how it goes, like you go through all that and then you just go through your life. Mm-hmm. And at some point, some of the things uh, will come back. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like getting into therapy yeah. um, is something that was important once I retired because my outlet became basketball. So I put everything into the sport. If you don't have it anymore, right. what, do you, what do you do? What do you do? With that energy, those thoughts. that Yeah, Yeah, and you know what you do. You're going to put it off on the people that's closest to you, the ones that love you, mm-hmm. the ones that's at home, the ones you see every day. You're going to put that rage and that anger. And, and so I think the thing, what I tried to do is I tried to go and I tried to rebuild my relationships with my parents. Really? Yeah, because like one thing I've never done is I've never – like, I don't judge them for their journey. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's, especially as a person who's trying to live, like, I got to figure it out every day. Every day is <laughs> a choice to do this, a choice not to do this. And, you know, you can make the wrong step in the mm-hmm. wrong turn. And my parents did. They took the wrong step and it took them down a long track that was, you know, uh, that affected myself and my sister and our family. But I don't judge them for it because, um, you know, they didn't try. That was not their goal. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just it's life. Um, and so for me, it was about getting to know my parents and rebuilding the relationship, asking questions. Maybe they came out a little hard sometime. Maybe they even came out at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just really needed to like to 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 get to know and understand why, 
understand as adult why we do things. Understand that, okay, they had addictions. Okay, I have an addiction. Right now my addiction is basketball, but I'm addicted to something. So I have an addictive personality. They had an addictive personality. This is why. They just kind of understand. And that was... That's what I. That was my biggest thing to help me start getting over the hump was really communicating with my parents. Wow. And how has that process been like? Have you been able to heal certain things or? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have. Maybe my wife. You can ask my wife. She, <laughs> she would know a little bit more because my wife has told me that I need to heal. You know, and I, and I'm like, no, I'm good. But really, you know, she knows. Mm, and yeah. so I remember when I was 30 years old, uh, me and my dad relationship was. And kind of rocky, you know. My dad took custody of me at nine. Mm-hmm. Um, that man, Mancho, thing started building as I got older and in, in high school, and I started feeling like I was a man. I moved out at sixteen years mm-hmm. old. Uh, I moved with Zaire and Zaya's mom, and and I lived with her. I lived with my girlfriend at the time. Um, and me and my dad relationship was just kind of rocky in a sense. Uh, I loved them, but we, we we couldn't see eye to eye, and I was I was too blinded by you know my um, I don't know, not my hate, but mm. I, I had this thing where I, like, I guess in a sense it's like weakness, right? It's like you feel, I felt like my dad was weak. Mm. Emotionally, mentally, physically? I, I don't know what it was. It was just more so of like, I'm taking care of the family now. Oh, wow. I'm stepping up. You're yeah. not doing your role, I'm yeah. going to do it. And, and, I, and I felt the way about that. And I missed all the, forget the rest of the things he did for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To help get me to this point, I was just so into like, I guess I felt the way that I had to. And it, all the responsibilities at, you know, 19, 20, mm-hmm. whatever, it started becoming my responsibilities. And I wow. kind of, I was angry at my dad yeah. for it. You know, right? Um, so I remember at 30 years old, I decided to, you know what? I think it's time. My wife kept telling me, she's like, your life is not going to be complete. You, you have missing pieces. It's a missing hole in your life, and your dad is one of them. You need, mm. to, you need to fix it. And I was like, all right. And I decided to go to lunch with my father. At 30? Just at 30. Yeah. Just go to lunch. Yeah. Four-hour lunch. And at that point in life, I was older. My kids was getting older. I started to realize that mm, my dad ain't that crazy as I thought he was. <laughs> right, right. You're raising kids now. <laughs> I'm raising yeah, yeah. kids now. And at and, this point, you'd already won an Olympic gold medal. You already won a a couple NBA championships. Yeah, I, I was at least point. one in. I know, and yeah, uh, maybe, maybe two. two. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe two in. Yeah, uh, I think I was two in at that time. Yeah. And I've accomplished so much in sport and to the world, but you know, I still was missing something. And it was a lot was my mom and my dad. Mm. And so I had to fix it with my dad. And like to this point, to this day, like you know, nine years later, it took it's only been nine years, but me and my dad relationship has just been developing and growing. And like I feel more of a whole as a person. Um, just from that 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 conversation, that, that communication, that look each right. other in the eye, that say that apologize, that say I'm sorry for this, wow. but also too, you understand that my dad was thinking a certain way. Doing he thought that I felt this yeah. way when yeah. I didn't. I thought he felt this way. And if you don't communicate, you just let it go and it fester and it becomes something. Where do you think you'd be now if you didn't start having those conversations at 30? Where do you think what would ha- be happening to you inside? I'd be searching for something. I, really? You know, I'd be trying to grab on to something, to someone, something. Um, because, you know, it, some relationships in your life are just that important. Mm-hmm. You know, if they are that important. And the relationship, you know, with my parents is just that important to me. Right. And if I didn't have that, that means that I would have to grab and grab for something else to try to fill that void. Yeah. Right? You know, and that's what, you know, that's what kids do. That's what, you know, young women do when their father's not in their home. And they don't have a male 
uh, presence. You know, they go look for that male presence. And now a lot of times they get into relationships with men that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, that becomes toxic in certain ways, you know, because of what they're missing right. and what they're looking for, whatever the case may be, right? So I would have been looking for it. And I have at times until I was able to patch that hole up, mm-hmm. you know? And so now I don't, I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking, like me and my dad have a, I can't say we have a father-son relationship, mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we have more of a, of a friendship um, mm-hmm. than we have a father. So I don't go to my dad and say, hey, dad, I, I got these financial problems and I need help. <laughs> right, I don't right. have that because I was the first one in the family to go through the financial problems. And I sit down with my dad and say, hey, you know. Because like, they take care of your finances. Yeah, it's, just, it's different. I'm in a different yeah. role. And yeah. so that role brought on, you know, the challenges in our relationship. It's because I've been in that seat for almost 20 years now. Who was the most influential adult figure in your life growing up? Besides your sister, and mm-hmm. and what was the big and what was the biggest lesson that that adult figure taught you? This is sad. Michael Jordan. Really. Adult. Yeah. It's like. Did you have a relationship s- with him? Though? No. Oh, wow. Okay. Just just from a, it's a role model. Yeah. Someone to look up to. Someone to aspire to be. Um, you know, it was it was such an important time. That's how you, it's weird how how important sports. Or moments that, or things that people do are to people like to you, and that's why like I'm able to write books. So that's why like me and my family um, speak out on issues, mm-hmm. right? And we share private things um, because I was that kid that Michael Jordan didn't understand the impact he made on me mm. just by being himself, or just by you know speaking out on you know on certain things, or facing the media after bad game, or whatever it was. I looked at it all, and so in my life, all the adults. Was off in their world and their man is doing their thing. They wasn't. It, I, I didn't have one. I was like, man, I want to be like Uncle, you know, Uncle, Uncle Richard Mike. when I grow oh, up. Yeah, you're right, right. You're like, I want to be like Uncle Mike. Right. <laughs> I want to be like. And so, yeah, I, I gravitated to a, a person that wow. I never, that I didn't know, that I never knew I would meet, but I just wanted to be like that guy. So were you were you like consuming all? Were you just trying to watch everything he said on TV at that mm-hmm. time? Because there was no social media, obviously, when we were mm-hmm. growing up. Or were you buying all the magazines and seeing what he was reading? Did you have posters on the wall? Like, how were you connecting to his message when mm-hmm. it was wasn't as available as it is today for people? Yeah, um, I would watch "Come and Fly with Me" okay a million times <laughs> yeah. over and over. I watch how he did interviews. Yeah, you, know, you watch how you walk. Yeah, everything, everything, the swag, everything. Yeah. You you watch it all because you. For me, I didn't I didn't see anybody that was in my life that I was like, oh, I want to be like that person. Mm-hmm. So I had to go find someone. Once again, I had to think I, was, I had to go into this vision. I had to I had to think outside of you know the box in a sense. And outside the box is outside of my community and my family. And I and I found Michael Jordan. I grew up in Chicago. WGN News. Shout out to WGN News. Mm-hmm. I was able to turn and tune in and watch the game. I got we got the interviews. I, I was at like after the game, me and my brothers are sitting watching the TV waiting for Jordan to interview. You know what I mean? It's like wow. 20 minutes later, but like he just became that 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 much of a figure in our lives. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. What was it like when you first met him? You- Surreal. <laughs> like, our, uh, so the first time I met him, I get drafted. I get drafted to the Heat. And so you're I, and 20, 21? 21 years 20, old. Yeah. 21 years old. Fifth pick, is that right? Fifth pick. I mean, I got the rookie card right Fifth here. Pick, number there five, you go. Number five yeah. pick, it was a couple months before that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I get drafted, and I do a draft party in Chicago, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm from Chicago. Yeah. I do a big draft party. Don't tell me who shows up to that. So... No, he doesn't. I'm not. in the party, bro. No, he doesn't. Party not. is crazy. My cousin come and tap me on the shoulder in the middle of the party. I'm dancing. I'm having a great time. He's like, yo, 
Michael Jordan's outside. They won't let him in. And I'm like, bro, stop playing with me. They won't let him in? He said they won't let him in. So immediately I'm like, bro, stop playing. Why would you do that? This is my moment. Why would you like? Why would you play with me? And he's like, I seen a look on his face. He's like, Michael Jordan is outside. They won't let him in. We take off. So we run it through the club. We get to the front. I'm like, what the? You know, <laughs> I say something to the front. He's outside. Oh my so gosh. We go outside. Now this is epic. I run outside, and Michael Jordan is sitting out there on a motorcycle oh with like, gosh. I say 50 dudes. It probably was 20, but it just looked like 50 dudes. Swarmed. All on motorcycles. Mike's sitting there. And I'm like, no way. The closer and closer, like every step, I'm like, is this Jordan? Is this Jordan? And then I got up close and he was just like, hey, man, I just want to come by. Oh, my God. Show you some love. Chills. Congratulations. You know, being drafted. Like just that whole thing. And I'm like, Mike, come in. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I just really came by to show you some love. And that was the wow. first time I met my idol. He came to my draft party to show me some love. And he was on a motorcycle with motorcycle that's, gear. That's sick, <laughs> man. It looked so dope. Was this after you got selected or, or before? This it, was after. So you got drafted. It was like that night afterwards. It, no, it was like it was like a, like maybe like a week or so later. Okay, gotcha. Like after I got drafted, I flew to Miami. Then I went back to Chicago wow. and I was like, party. Dude. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included but you don't take yada yada in life so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And Mike showed up? You never, he never came to a game or saw anything like, like later, yeah. no, I mean in high school, college in the no. Chicago area, he never no. came out. I wasn't a, I wasn't a big time player like that. Really? From the standpoint of people coming to watch me play. Uh, Nobody come yeah. to Richards High School right. in Oakland, Illinois to watch me play. I wasn't that good, I guess, right? So the, most of the world didn't hear about me until 
Triple double against Kentucky, oh, Final Four. Wow. Yeah. That's sick. So he came out. 21. 21. When was the first time you had like a real, like proper conversation? Do you remember that? Proper conversation? More than just like a, hey, good, thank you so much. Like, sh- you know. Um, let's see. The and, what next... the, and what was the best piece of advice that he told you? Um, what a, so the best piece. So I eventually, to, to, as I'm trying to think about it, I eventually end up being with the Jordan brand. That's pretty sick. Right? That's pretty sick. Like, I, it, like Jordan ended up, like, personally. Oh, it was crazy. It was like, what? Like, this happening. And, and it's crazy because you think it got to be something that's so, like, philosophical. Like, he got to tell me something. Right. It was something so simple. He just told me to go get it. We was at All-Star Weekend, Dallas. And we was doing an All-Star party. And my whole family was there. Jordan was there. My family has never, like, they never met Jordan. And my brothers and everybody's there, and we're doing a Jordan party. And Jordan is amazing with everybody. He's mm-hmm. we're all family. We all with the Jordan family is, is what it is. And we're talking, and he put his arm around me and he said, "Tomorrow, go get it." That's all he said. And I'm like, "What is he talking about? <laughs> like, what does what this he mean?" <laughs> he was like, "Yo, I want you to go get it." And so when I got there, he had these he had these sneakers for me. It was the first time I was wearing them. It was these silver Jordans that was like uh, the 2010 Jordans. Uh-huh. Um, I was supposed to be the one who was leading the charge of the brand I had just signed with them. And when I got in the locker room and I got on the court, I realized what he meant. He meant go get that MVP. Ooh. He meant go for it. Go go go, go create your history. Oh, wow. Yeah. And because we were in Dallas, it was about 110,000 people watching the game. We played the game at the Dallas um, Cowboy Stadium. Uh-huh. Wow. And he was like, go get it. And it's crazy, right? It's like, go get it. Yeah. But for me, that's all was in my mind. While I was playing the game, go get it. Wow. And I went and got it. You went and got it. <laughs> I yeah, went and got you went it. and got it man, multiple times. <laughs> Gosh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it wasn't like go have a fun time and like just enjoy the moment and have fun. It was like go no. be the best and dominate. Yeah, go do something special. Wow. You know, don't just be here. Don't wow. be happy to be here. And you wearing my shoes. You better go do something. You better, yeah, you represent the brand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I remember when George told me when I first signed with the brand. He said, um, hey, man, I don't want to see these shoes on the floor. I want to see these shoes in the air. Ooh. Because I will always fall. Right. <laughs> I, just, I always fail. And so today, actually, it's all over social right now. It's the day that I dunked on Andy, Andy Verichow. It's one of the best dunks. It's one of the best dunks of my career. But yes. some say top 10 NBA history, right? That was Jordan's the guy first with the game. Long, the guy with the long hair? Mm-hmm. Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I'm from Ohio, so. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Andy. Uh <laughs> Jordan first game to come and see me play in person as a Jordan athlete. Oh, as a Jordan athlete. As a Jordan athlete. Yeah. He was at, he was in the he was there before when I was in Chicago playing as a rookie. Um and that's a whole nother story. Oh, that is a story. I got that story. But anyway, um that's so in my mind, I st- all these things, I was like, yo, he gotta see these shoes in the air. And so I'm coming down the court and I see Andy and he backing up and I'm like, I'm going for it. I'm go get it. I'm going for it. I'm going to get it. Going to get it. And as you, if you if you see the highlight, if you guys play the highlight, I dunk it, right? Boom. And I'm about to go to the bench with my team and like go that way and talk some. But I was like, nope. Jordan's over here. No way. Stepped over Andy and went that way. And I'm like, that's how you do it. But I'm I'm really over there like, Jordan, I wanted Jordan to see me, right? You know, I wanted him to be proud of me. And so then they showed Jordan's reaction on the he's video. Like, he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, good looking shoes. Good looking shoes. You see the shoes though. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Were you going to say another story? Oh, yeah. So first game back in Chicago, my rookie year. And I'm coming back home. 
um, the night before we played the Washington Wizards, right? Uh-huh. And so leading up to it, I had like I forget the number, but I, I was I was I was scoring like twenty points every game, so I was mm-hmm. balling. Yeah, and I'm like I'm I'm like I'm tuning up to go to Chicago, so I'm feeling good. Get right? ready. So long story short, I go up, Jared Jeffries, my guy, he like he. I ain't gonna say he undercut me, but like he kind of went under my, hit my leg a little bit, and I fell, and I came down, and I had to brace myself, and uh, and I ended up later, I ended up broke, breaking my wrist in eleven places. Oh, I ended up breaking eleven bones in my in my wrist or whatever the case may be, right? But the, that night we leave after the game, I'm hurting and everything, and we go to Chicago because uh-huh. we playing the Bulls the next night, and my my the guys on my team, the vest was like, yo, we about to go out, go to this little bar area, come with us. I'm like, cool. So I go, I run into Michael Jordan. Now this is the first time. I'm actually in his presence, and like it's not on a motorcycle. This right. is the next time. Okay, so you have like five to ten minutes with him. I have, a, yeah, I have about two to three. Okay, which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feels like two to three hours. Yeah, yeah. you're like uh, every moment. Yeah, every moment I have like two to three, and he's and so mind you, I'm not playing the next day in my mind because my first time back, I'm hurt. Uh-huh. I ain't trying to come out here and embarrass myself. I'm a, I'm gonna wait till we come back. And so Jordan, you know, was talking. He's like, man, you know, you've been playing so good. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. I'll be there. Oh, shoot. You can't back out now. Now I got to play. So now how, I got to play. How'd you do? Not good. Uh, I had a nice dunk. Oh, that's right. But I didn't. That was not good, no, yeah. We had good. a broken wrist. I had, after that game, I was like, yo, I need to see what's wrong with my wrist. And I was in the cast for a few months after that. Oh, man, that. that's crazy. Yeah. But the fact, just, just the power of an idol, just the power mm-hmm. of um, an influence, you know what I'm saying? Like, it goes a long way. And that's why mm-hmm. I, I tell those stories because yeah. Michael didn't know that this was that all these moments and whether he, he he was talking to me whether he was playing the game of basketball he didn't know he didn't know the influence that he was having on a little kid and, mm-hmm. you know growing up in the inner city of, of Robbins Illinois in Chicago and his influence was so impactful on me like even to the point when I was 21 years old uh in the NBA I played a game that I should not have played because Michael was like oh I'll be there I can't, I can't wait, wait to see you tomorrow oh man <laughs> broken wrist and everything that's crazy man yeah I don't think I ever told nobody that that's crazy like publicly yeah so you mentioned your your wife a couple of times how she's really sounds like been an incredible stand for your growth personally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Um, I'm curious. I've asked a, a few people this who are in incredible marriages and have great wives. I'm curious. What is the thing you love about your wife the most, and why? Hmm. Oh, I'm gonna see this, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like, I mean, I got to give a real good answer. What do I love about my my wife the most, and why? So, my wife asked me this the other day. Really? This is what's funny about it. She's like, "What do you she love about DM'd, me the most?" She DM'd me. She DM'd you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And said, "What do you love about me the most?" Wow. Yeah. She did. So <laughs> I took a deep breath because I'm trying to remember what I wrote her. Yeah. But well, what's on your heart right now? On yeah. my heart right now, what I, what I love about my wife um, the most is it's, it's kind of selfish. Mm. because I love the way um, she catches me when I'm about to fall. I love the way she picks me up when I have when I have fall, mm-hmm. fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way, um, you know, she's, she's jumped in the lives of my kids and became uh, a big influence on their lives, which is, it's not easy, you know, being a step-parent, being a bonus mom, whatever, we, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And she's a huge influence in their lives. Wow. Um, you know, so selfishly, I just I love the way my wife loves me. Mm. How does she love you? 
I mean, I think wholeheartedly with everything she had. I mean, I, I'm going through life trying to find out what love is myself. Like, yeah. this is all new. And, you know, the one thing about my wife and our relationship, and, you know, we share a lot. We have a lot of private moments that people don't get to see and don't know and we don't share. But I, and as I told her, I said, you know what? If we was not married, we will be best friends. We wow. would be best friends. You would be. We would be. Because we're like best friends now. Like, we're like yeah. best friends. Like, you know, it's like one of my favorite people. You know, and even though we're married and you know, you want your space, you need this and everybody needs this, I feel like we work together as partners wow. in life. You know, even when I walk in a room and she, I know she want to be, like, it's quiet and she ain't talking and I may say two things and she ain't said nothing. I'm like, okay, she needs time. I'm out. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Go hit some balls. Just some hoops or, yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's just really knowing each other. So I think, like, just like you know your best friend. You mm -hmm. know everything. You ask a man about their best friend, you know everything about him. Mm -hmm. Ask a woman about their best friend, know everything about him. Ask somebody about their, their partner, you'd be like, ah, what's the favorite color? <laughs> you know right, what I'm right, saying? Right, right. So if it's your best friend, uh, you get a chance to know, you know, a lot of things about them. And so, yeah, that's what I love. There's an amazing photo in your book of with you and LeBron and your, your wife on the, you know. Oh, the Laker front, game, the, the last row. game. And she's like, blah, screaming at LeBron or you or whatever, just like screaming at, at, at you playing defense, I think, against LeBron. And you said in one of the captions, like one of the things I love about her is how competitive she actually is in life. And she's sweet as all can be, but she's super competitive, which was amazing to you watch. You saw in that photo. It's incredible. She's like, wants to kill someone. And it's like, yeah, it's like, rah, <laughs> like rip someone's head off or something. It's amazing, man. I love it. Um, I'm curious, what is your most proud moment of all the incredible moments you've had? Oh, Maybe it's, and, and that's tough. maybe it is winning a championship or winning the gold medal or dunking over someone that's or- tough playing against Kobe or whatever it is, maybe it is something big or maybe it's something that no one even knows about it's behind this, the scenes. I'm just curious, of your entire career, most proud moment for you? Of my career, not of my life, of my of career. career. Okay, that's different then. Yes. Getting drafted because that was the moment that showed me I can do anything. Like, I tell my son this all the time. I worked hard just to get drafted. Because once I got drafted, then it really started. But a lot of guys get drafted in the first round and don't make it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I know people like get drafted. He's done this. He's done that. He's done that. All those things are amazing. Like, you know, the championships, the individual acc accolades, the all that's amazing. But as a young kid from the inner city of Chicago that grew up a little bit like I told you, I mean, it's so much more about how I how I told you that didn't know at the age of 19 what was next. I had a kid at 19, you know, 20 years old. That, that didn't that did not get his ACT scores and then was not able to play like all these things that kept trying to knock me wow. down knock me down knock me down to be able to pick myself up to be able to allow the people around me to help uh, pick me up and to get me to that point where David Stern comes out and say with the fifth pick the Miami oh, Heat selected one way that moment for me will forever go down in history is I can do anything mm. we can do anything because I don't supposed to be here they, I've, I've watched them try to nope. Get back. Here, here go a test. Can you pass this test? Nope. You ain't going to make it. Like, it's all these things. It's all, oh, you're going to have a kid now. You really ain't going to make it. It's all these nice. things. I'm like, you will not stop me. I will keep going. And I did. And so that's the moment for me in my career out of all the things. That moment, man, I put my head down. I remember I did that. I had my son on my, on my lap, wow. you know, while I was in the draft room. And I was just looking around like, man, I know all these guys here are, I know their names. I know, I know that some of their stories. I don't know all of them. I know some of these stories. But I know my story, and I know I shouldn't be here. Wow. And to be there and to get picked fifth and 
to go back there, you know, to, to grab that hat, to go in the back. I remember walking in the back and LeBron was back there because he was the first pick. Melo was back there because he was the third pick. <laughs> Chris Boss was back there because he was the fourth pick. And we all, you know, Holy we, cow. we're young, we know each other, and we like, yo! We made it, yeah. Just in the back, just all of us, just four to five, uh, four to top five picks in the draft was, we were all cordial. And, you know what I mean? Melo and Brian had a relationship. All of us yeah. had a relationship. Me and Chris, like, we all were cordial. And just to be young guys That's back crazy. there, like, Yo, Melo, yo, bro, we made it, yeah. we made it. They knew they were going top. Right, right. I didn't know. You didn't um, know you were going top five? No. Really? I had no idea. What did you think, maybe? Hopefully in first round, second round? No, no, I knew. I, I mean, round. I knew first round. Yeah. Like, when I get the draft, it was like, okay, D-Way can go anywhere from the fourth pick to, like, 20. Oh, wow. So it was a wide range. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm going seven. I'm going seventh to the Chicago Bulls. Like, the, I worked the, out. The story, the, the dream, story. every day. Yeah. Oh, the dream, the Jordan. The, yeah. I worked out for them twice, all the media, all the coverage. I'm like, I'm going to the Bulls. And the Heat picked me at five. So I didn't get a chance to go to the Bulls. Wow. Well, you did play with them for uh, so yeah, yeah, I one year. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I lived the dream out for you. Yeah. I did. And then you played for my team in Ohio for, what, like a half a season or something? Yeah, you, I like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's cool, though. Um, Man, that must have been crazy with all you guys back there. Yeah, man, it was it was a moment. And then to see all of you do so well for so long. Yeah, that's kind of rare. Like the top five picks do that well for that long. Usually, there's a few busts and a few people that yeah kind of fizzle well, out. Four of the top five picks. Four of the top. Yeah, five Darko picks. was he didn't have the career in gotcha. basketball. <clears throat> he has another career, I heard, but he didn't have a career in basketball. Right, that. Right. You guys did. Yeah. So four of the top five. That's pretty we, big, we, man. We did all right. You did pretty good, man. <laughs> you, you did all right. Balled out for a, a couple of Hall time. of Fame careers up was, in there. It was baller. Yeah. I mean, how many was that? Three in the top seventy-five, or how many made the top seventy-five team? Yeah. Uh, Melo, Brian, myself in the two thousand three uh, uh, class. Yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty, big. <laughs> pretty big. Pretty big. I'm curious about. Um, I, I had Kobe on um, mm-hmm. a few years ago, mm-hmm. and. I was more, I've told this story on my show before, but I was more impressed with what I witnessed before I interviewed him than the interview. The interview for me was incredible. It was, he was unbelievable how real and honest and open he was. But I got to his office about an hour and 40 minutes before the interview to set up because I booked the, the interview actually the night before. He had a podcast that he was launching called The Punies. And I, yeah, remember, the Punies. Yeah, I, remember. I remember getting there early no one was in the, the lights were off in the office his assistant like unlocks the door lets me in she's there and lets me in lights come on i kind of she's like okay here's where we normally film in this part of the office and i was like well can i see the rest of it i don't know if i'm assuming you've been to his office or i'm not i've sure. never been never been there. no so it's kind of a big open room and then there's like these glass windows with conference rooms on either side in a hallway that goes down okay and then, it op- and then it opens up into another big open room and so I walked down the hallway of these glass kind of conference room windows, and the, the lights are off in these rooms. And I opened up into the next room, and I was like, ah, there's nothing here that looks good to film. Let's go back. So I go back, and as I'm walking past the last window to open back up in the open room, I see a shadow in the back of the corner of the room sitting. And I, and I take a double glance as I'm walking by, and I'm like, to the assistant, I was like, is that Kobe? This is like 6.30 a.m. And he go, and I was like, that Kobe, the lights are off. He's sitting in the in the back of the room. No computer on, no phone, just kind of sitting there looking up. And but he didn't see me, or I don't think he did. He's kind of turned his back to the window. And I was thinking, what's he doing here? She was like, he was the first one in here. This is after he won his Oscar and like all of his awards and stuff and retired yeah. and everything. And I go, 
It's the first one in here. He doesn't have to be in here. He's like, well, he was working out with his daughter this morning and then he came here before anyone else. And he sat in there and was just like meditating or visualizing. I'm not sure what he did in there for the next hour and a half before he came out. But I was so impressed with his, with that moment. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Like no one else saw that. Yeah. And I was just like, this guy doesn't have to do this. After he's retired and had all the success, he doesn't have to, but he was still doing it. And that was cool for me to witness someone of that level of greatness. Yeah, that's awesome. Beyond his career. Yeah, bro. I'm curious, what was um, one of your favorite moments that you got to witness with him? Maybe you've already talked about it, um, but just curious, whether it be playing or behind the scenes, was there something that you really were inspired by? Well, I mean, everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I always talk about my favorite players, Michael Jordan, but yeah. my next two, like I say, okay, if he's one, then one A and B or whatever, however you want to do it, is Kobe and Iverson, yeah. right? And so I idolize the guy as well. And to be able to come into the relationship, and also, too, it sucked when I got in. My second year, they they pinned me and Kobe versus each other because Shaq came to Miami and it was... Yeah. And I'm like, ah, no, no, I don't want him. <laughs> it's my guy, but... I guess the moments for me, which is probably the most special moments, is the Olympic moments because mm, God, that's the time epic. where you get a chance to really get to know someone. You're spending like, we we together for you know a month and a half. Mm. Um, the Olympics was like over a course of years, like we trained together in Vegas, and and I talk about plenty of stories. And one of my favorite stories um, is similar to yours. Mm. I remember getting into uh, one of the cities, and like, you know, very late and we couldn't really sleep. You on all kind uh-huh. of time zones, whatever. So, you know, my crew, you know, with Brian or with, uh, you know, um, Mello and uh, CP and, you know, the crew. Yeah. We all together. And so we decide, we like, yo, tomorrow, man, first person up, wake me up. We're going to go to breakfast. We're going to go eat. Like, you know, whatever. Like, the food should open up at this hour. We were hungry. What, what Olympics was this? What this was 2008. Okay. 2008 Olympics. And so. This is China. This is, yeah, it's but this is on our way. Okay, you're, you're touring Europe or something. And We're touring ready. our way there. Yeah, gotcha. And now, I mean, but we get in late. We're tired, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But we hungry, but we like, yo, let's go to sleep. And then let's get up so we can eat. Like, let's just, let's, we ain't going to sleep long. We know it, right? So, anyway, long story short, we all go down there. As we get down there, Kobe's sitting at the table. Um, already? Already. He's sitting at the table. <laughs> and he's sitting there. So, so imagine this. T- it's like this. Yeah. So imagine this table. And we, like, we're walking from that way. And Kobe's sitting where you are. Uh. And it's, uh, it's his security guy right here. <laughs> so we're walking. And then he's like, what? He got ice on his knees? So I'm like, what? In my mind, I'm like, wait, he got ice on his knees. What? what are you doing? So we walk up. What's up, Cole? In Kobe Bryant fashion. He look at us and we like, yo, what's good? He's like, I just got... <laughs> Just got my second workout in. <laughs> he already finished. <laughs> he just finished his workout. He did not work out already. That he already worked out. No, come on. I think he did a basketball workout on the court, and I think he did a weight room workout. Be- before you guys got the breakfast, early Listen, morning. We were only sleep for about three hours. Oh, my goodness. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay. I had always heard about the work ethics of Kobe Bryant. But I never seen him. I'm like, I mean, how I work hard too. Yeah. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. 
assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. At that moment, you got, you got Tim Grover training. Yeah, I'm like, I work hard. At that moment, a different respect from all of us. Oh my gosh, I was like, I gotta get my together. <laughs> I gotta start getting up early, you know. And so the same thing is, he set himself apart in so many different ways. And it wasn't a, it, it, maybe that night. Maybe I scored more points than him the next night. Mm -hmm. who, who? It wasn't about that. The mental, you know, edge that he had on on people. Um, he understood that. I'm playing on a team with all these great young players who are trying to come and take my, take the spot. And I'm not only going to do what they do just as good or better, I'm going to do more than them, That's a crazy. lot more than them, just to separate myself, you know? That's craziness. And so that was like, and I explained the Olympic story, but that for me, it always sticks out of being able to see, just walk. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm 2008, I'm, I'm, I'm good too. Like, you know, I'm, You're sweet. LeBron's bad, man, we have some bad boys. It was a different level. That's nuts. And that level made us go to a different level. Man, that's inspiring. Yeah. Do you feel like you sustained that level in your career? I mean, did you step it up to that? Or are you like, okay, I'm going to step it up, but it's still not this insanity level of like two workouts at 3 a.m. or something before everyone gets there? No, I never got there. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, like, I, I, and I feel like you, you got to find what works for you. Too. Yeah, of course. You know, like, so you're living I a life, you're having fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, I, I was more so of a, I was a midnight workout guy. I was, you know, I had, I, when I came in the NBA, I already had a kid. I was already yeah, married. Yeah. So, you know, I was one of those guys who would go work out early and then go practice and then come back home, spend mm -hmm. time with the family. Everybody sleep. Now I'm driving back into the arena at mm -hmm. 12 and come back. You know, I did that. Right, I was right, that guy. Right. So, you, you know, you got to find out what works for you. What works for you. But in that moment of the Olympics, 
when I know we're tired, these flights are long. Yeah. We're, you know, we're playing, we're traveling, we're practicing this and that. He's older than us. And to see that. That's, that's another level. That's a different level. You always looked like you had so much confidence on the court. Like, yeah. you know, we were talking beforehand how you were saying how you missed like five seconds left, getting the ball, and it. it's down that. to you. What is this moment with the, the stadium screaming or the, they're booing at you or wherever you're at? Um, and you always looked like you had so much confidence mm-hmm. and poise and grace, and you were like an artist on the court. Mm-hmm. I think of athletes Thank as you. artists because I looked at myself as an artist playing football and improvising uh, with the ball in the air and catching the ball and stuff. Did you ever doubt yourself? Did you ever have insecurities? And if so, <laughs> if so, how did you learn to manage or overcome self-doubt so it didn't cripple you? Oh my. Self-doubt creeps in all the time. Yeah. I don't I don't know because I don't get to talk to every great human being in the world. Yeah. But I'm sure all of them ha- yeah. has have and do have self-doubt at times. How often was it was it for you? Was it just in big games? Was it every game? Was it, you know, self-doubt can be in moments. It can you can come into a game with all the confidence and then you miss seven shots in a row. Now you got self-doubt. Right. <laughs> you missed the open layup. Now you got self-doubt. Self-doubt comes in, in, at random times. You're not prepared for self-doubt. It just, and you, now you got to get rid of it. Yeah. How, you would you, I mean? how would you get rid of it? Many different ways. Sometimes your teammates got to help you get out of it. Uh-huh. Sometimes your coaches got to help you get out of it. Sometimes your coach got to write up a, a drop of play to give me an easy one. Right, right. That's good. <laughs> how are you tipping <laughs> it? Give me an easy one. You know, and, you know, sometimes you got, you know, sometimes you're looking around the arena. You see a kid in your jersey. Ooh. So, you know, you like. All right, it's bigger than me. It's not about you know. It's a for me. I use a lot of things. Like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who can get motivated very easily, but in the sense of getting motivated very easily, you can be down on yourself and have self doubt very easily. Not mm-hmm. thinking you're great enough. Not thinking you're enough. Lacking confidence in your shot. You know, and mm-hmm. whatever it was, I definitely had a lot of self doubt. Self doubt, but I was always able to pull from things or pull from people and allow them to bring me back. Wow. I always tell my son that. Allow the people around you. God has put these people in your life for a reason. So allow your friends, allow me, allow the people you trust around you to bring you back. Mm. Because we're going to have those moments of self-doubt when we feel, you know, you feel you, you ugly. You feel, you know, I wish I was tall. I wish my feet looked like, like whatever. Mm. We doubt a lot. And you got to have people around you to bring you back. You got to allow them to bring you back. Mm-hmm. And that's all I always tell my son, allow it. So right now, you know, and if I'm having moments, I'll be like, be... Have your anger, have your disgust with the, or missing a shot, whatever. Allow people around you though to bring you back. Don't stay in it too long. Wow. Because you get lost. You go down a dark road if you stay in self doubt too long. Mm-hmm. It's dark. Absolutely. You know. And so, um, it's it's life is hard enough. Life is hard enough. It's been hard enough for me. It's been it's hard enough for all of us every day, right? So you don't want to add nothing extra on was already right. hard. And right. so, you know, the, the thing with self-doubt for me is, like, once again, it's, it's just allowance. It's allowing people mm-hmm. that I put it in my circle that God has put around me to bring me out of it. Yeah. I love uh, how you talked about your sister got you into these kind of dream visualization states when you were a kid and you started using that uh, when you were playing the game. Yeah. Did you have a specific routine right before every game or in between timeouts or anything where you put your mindset in a certain frame? Um, or was it more just I'm just showing up and doing my thing? Or did, how did how did your mind show up for you yeah. in those moments? Yeah, great. I, so I, 
so how my book is set up, I set it up by the first chapter that you would see is called pregame. Mm -hmm. And then it's first quarter, second, third, fourth, and then postgame. Halftime also. Right, halftime, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's when, like, you know, that's the yeah. celebrity side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halftime. So look at him. I went through the book, man. Look at I saw, you. I, I saw the digital <laughs> version. You, you know, bro. I went through everything, that man. That was impressive. I saw everything, man. That was impressive. Um, I got you. So uh, pregame. And mm -hmm. I, I talk about pregame, but pregame is getting prepared for the game, mm -hmm. right? And so I think over the course of my career, you know, I, I never was a person who did the same thing every time. Like I didn't put my right sock right, on before right, I right. put my left. I, mm -hmm. So, but you do try to find things that work. Some of them stick with them. And so some of my more iconic pregame things when it came to what the fans seen uh, was two things. One, I used to do these three pull-ups on the rim before every game. Uh -huh. you know, put your head to, up through it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. try to flex my muscles a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was a way to kind of get jacked and get ready for the yeah, game, you know, yeah. do a couple pull-ups. Um, the whole, all attention go to me, everybody, and I scream. Ah, just, you know, the microphone is in there. Um, and one of the other things I did on, on court-wise was a part of my pregame. Like, this is all a part of my pregame because uh -huh. I need, these things are, are what I've, you know, put into my pregame of what I need before I play. If I don't go do that, I feel off. Mm -hmm. Something's off. And so I was, um, uh, I was at a dinner recently with uh, – with a lot of friends, but one of them is James Gordon. And James, uh, on record, to say I'm his favorite basketball player. Oh, and he nice. tells me why. Okay, tell right? me. And so the, the reason I'm his favorite basketball player, long story short, he didn't know anything about basketball. He comes to the States, he goes to a game, it's in Miami. Mm. Uh, he's sitting next to a guy, he's like, hey, uh, who should I be cheering for? <laughs> the guy say, number three, you should watch him. And so I come out, and before the game, I will always, you know, go dap all my teammates, my coaches. I go dap everybody at the scores table, all the, uh, the mm -hmm. announcers, everybody. The referees, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. not, not the refs. <laughs> no, not but then I will go to each end of the floor, all four, all four sides, and I'll raise the, I'll go and I'll just get everybody like this, right? And I'll run to the next side and I'll be like, and I'll just get everybody lifted. And so he was just like, that was so amazing to him because he was just like, this was his first game. And like when I did that, the energy in the arena went up and he was like, oh my God, I love this guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was one of the things that like I needed to do. I needed uh. to like show respect and show love to the to the, the people who spend their hard money to yeah. come and watch us play. Absolutely. I'm letting you know I'm about to try to give you my best tonight. I'm yeah. ready. Um, and so that was that was one of my things from a pregame standpoint on the court, mm -hmm. you know, that I would do that I needed to do that. It's kind of like if, if anybody know anything about me, they were like, oh yeah, he did the chin ups, or yeah, he did like this. So, you know, people people knew that it was like in video games and all kind of stuff, right? Uh -huh. But in the locker room, the most important thing for me pregame, which I did every game, was I needed a moment by myself mm. to quiet the noise. I had already prepared. Mm. I'm already dressed. I've, I've worked out. Coaches said his thing. I've always took moments, but I will go in the back in the shower, you know, I will go in the back in the steam room, mm -hmm. I go in the back in the bath, in the right. toilet area, yeah. wherever I can find quiet time. I need a quiet time. I need a quiet time to once again visualize what I wanted in this game. Mm. I visualize before every game how I wanted the game to go. Wow. Did it always go that way? Of course not. Yeah. But always the power of visualization. And so before every game, I would take five minutes and I'll visualize how I wanted the game to go. That's beautiful. Yeah, and that was one of my pregame. Uh, I love that. In the locker room. I love that. And what about when you were losing, which didn't happen often? How did you frame your mindset in those places, whether you're down by two or 20, which probably didn't happen that often? Oh, but, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> but most of the times in your, like, you know, in your championship runs and everything, it's like you guys were winning all the time. But when you were behind, yeah. where would your mind go? Would you go focus inward? Would you go focus on 
teammates? Would you focus on a coach? Would you focus on, like, what would, what would your mind think about in order to bring you guys back? I'm sure a lot of different things. Um, but I, I probably, my, one of my greatest strengths, I, I think, I don't know if anybody else think it, is the even killness of, mm. of me, right? Like my personality and everything. I kind of stay real even kill. Not I'm too just, high, not too low. Not too high, not too low. And that was one message that Coach Spo, even though like, I, it seemed like that message followed me. Like my high school coach would say it in his own way. Coach Spo would talk about it in his own way. Talk about the ebb and flow. He'd talk about, listen, let's stay here. Even when we won 27 games in a row, it was like, yo, let's stay here. But we want to go there. He like, let's stay here. So I think that's, that was one of my greatest strengths was the ability to <clears throat> stay even kill. And so when you know your team is talented enough to come back from 20, you can have confidence. When you're on a team and you know you're not talented enough to come Man, back from you're 20, screwed. you're gone. You're like, well, this one's over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me get my numbers, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Like So different teams, depending on if you're down 20 or – it gives you different kind of swagger and confidence. No yeah. lie. I'm not going to say that every team I played on, I was like, no, we good. No, it was some teams I'm like, no, guys, we in trouble. Right. We got to start. <laughs> we can't right. start the game off getting down 10. We're not coming back. We don't have enough firepower. But when you are part of the big three era mm. and you're playing with Ray Allen and LeBron and Chris Bosh. And, you can do anything. Listen, like, we you, can come back like, from 40. <laughs> two minutes left, down 35. Let's pick it up, fellas. <laughs> come back and win by 20. That's Man. how you feel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I'm curious, where do you think you would be in your life if you didn't have great coaches? Where do you think you'd be as an athlete, your career, if you weren't put in the position with great coaching on your side? Do you think you'd still be able to accomplish what you want? Do you think you'd struggle more? You'd have never heard of me. It never heard of me. Um, I've watched so many great athletes. You know, a lot of great athletes in my neighborhood, in my high school. In probably my more athletic than you, probably. Way more. Better. More co coordinated. Jump, jump higher. Everything. So I've watched it. And I've watched a lot of great athletes not, have the, not get opportunities or not have the right mentor. All these things. I got lucky because I had so many great mentors. And it started from a coaching standpoint. You know, and I talk about it. Uh, in my documentary, mm -hmm. I mentioned in my book, I talk about my uh, Gary Adams was my high school assistant coach who was the first person to take me and say, hey, do you want to be great? Before I knew what great was, he's like, do you want to be great? And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, I need you to show up every day. And it was like summertime. I remember. Right, you're like, like, I just want to play. You know, I, I want to be my friends. I yeah, want to hang out. He's cool. like, yeah. I'm going to come and pick you up. I'm going to hit the horn one time. You better come out. You better be ready. If you're late one day, I ain't never coming back. Wow. If you want to be great, this is what you do. Damn. And every day in the summer, every day in the summer after my freshman year, I was in the gym with Gary Adams. And so that was the start of it. My, I mean, my dad was my first coach. But right. like that was the start of like all these great mentors. Jack Fitzgerald, my high school coach. Amazing mentor. Amazing you know, person to, you know, to help me with this vision of, I think I want to go to college coach. Mm. You know what I mean? All right, well, let's go to some games. You know what I mean? Like my high school coach my, and my sister coach, they would take me to games. College go, games. College go, games. Go watch and yeah. see. Yeah. I went to a Marquette game once. Didn't even know Marquette was a part of my future. I went to a Marquette game. Yeah. So all these mentors, man, uh, I would be nowhere if it wasn't for people taking, you know, a, a likeness to me, um, you know, and, and me respecting their time, respecting you know, what they were trying to give me and just applying it and doing it and being like, I'm open. Mm -hmm. Give me all, give me everything. Because I, I always just, I wanted different. I didn't want what I seen. I just knew what I would see. I'm like, I don't want this. 
I want something different for my family. And so every opportunity I had someone that come in my life, I think I like I felt it. I was like, this person is in my life for a reason. Let me connect with this person. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, some some people that come in your life, you're like they don't need to be in there. And some people you're like, yo, could. and so my mentors, my coaches, they were all in my life for a reason. I listened. You know, as hard headed as I may have been as a kid growing up, I listened to my coaches. What were a couple of the greatest lessons you remember from some of those coaches? Whether it be the high school coach or you know, NBA coaches, do you remember a couple of lessons that really stand out? The greatest lessons. I would say, like, I think the thing I carry in life is, a, is one of the greatest lessons probably come from Pat Riley and the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel that even in business, even as a father, I use a lot of the, uh, the verbiage, the language, the examples um, that I learned when I came in, into uh, into the NBA, into Miami. Uh-huh. And, you know, I talked about this in my retirement speech is Miami has this thing called culture. Everyone is like, well, what is the Miami culture? And to me, what the Miami culture is, is it's, it's, in, in a dis- it's discipline, right? It teaches you discipline. It's military mm-hmm. in a way, but it teaches you uh, ownership of... The Miami Heat culture. The Miami Heat culture. Yeah, yeah. It's, it teach, not not I, the I city like, of Miami. No. Culture. <laughs> That's why the culture in Miami has to teach you discipline. Exactly. Because yeah. the city of Miami. That's why I was like, okay, I'm making sure. Yeah. <laughs> the city of Miami is, te- is teaching you temptation yeah, at its highest. Yeah. Um, but I-, I would say, like, the lessons that I learned is, you know, is, and, and it was models in Miami. It was, you know, we're going to be the, the, the best condition, you know, mm-hmm. the, the mostest, the, the toughest. The, and all of those lessons to me uh, was important coming from where I come from, not having a lot of structure. Right. You know, not having a lot of discipline. Um, I mean, especially getting into the world of having money, mm. having fame. And not knowing what to do with this, not right? Not knowing. In, I, How did you learn to manage fame and finances when it's like you never had it and now you've got an abundance seeming of it? Make mistakes. Yeah. And I've spent a lot of it and done a lot of dumb things um, not knowing about it. You know, right. once you get it, everything that you've ever wanted, you can now have, right? Mm-hmm. And so what are you going to do? You're going to go get it. Right. If you, if hey, you don't know. Told, Jordan told me to go get it. I'm so just going go, to get what I want. <laughs> Jordan said, go get it. I'm going to get it. Yeah. And then I got, I lost it all. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. And so um, I think I think for me, you know, just really, and I, I just go back to Miami. Mm-hmm. Miami, the the, mm-hmm. the the post that Miami had, the, the hand that Pat Riley put on that shoulder that a lot of people don't like because you kind of feel guided. You kind of feel like a child at time. Mm. Um but the lessons that it taught me about what it takes to build a culture, what it takes to actually win, um, you know, that's the lessons that I take in my everyday life when I'm building a business, mm-hmm. when I'm building a family atmosphere, you know, in my household, when I'm working with my wife as partners. I take so many lessons from, you know, my days in Miami and what Pat Riley stands for of building a culture that is built on discipline, is built on respect, mm-hmm. is built on uh, toughness, not giving up, not quitting. Um, the next man is just as important. Like uh, you know, all these 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 tools. Yeah, yeah, that's inspiring, man. When someone finds a great coach or someone finds uh, a coach that wants to support them, whether it be as an athlete or in life, what should that student do in your mind if they see that hey, someone's showing interest in me? Mm-hmm. I think they're a good coach. They're great. They could be a great coach, or they've, <laughs> they've got proven results in the past. How should that student show up to get the best out of it? What would you do if 
it was a it was a girl you liked or uh, a guy that someone you know was interested in or you know a relationship that you wanted and they show interest in you what would you do you going towards it well, if you want right, yeah, if, if you, you want, want it, it as well you want it, yeah right so if I want it and you show interest in me what I'm gonna do yeah, yeah, so that's the same thing yeah. right it's the same mentality is if a coach is showing interest in you and and you want to be great you want to be at this level then you do what you do when you go see that in. person you want. You go, go all, all, in. In. all in. You won't, don't miss that moment because you yeah. know how, like when you know when you shy like I was growing up. You miss moments. You miss yeah. these opportunities. You're like, yeah. dang, next time. It may not be a next time. And so when you have a coach that's really pouring something into you, because it's hard for coaches to pour something to every player. Mm-hmm. But when they focus on you, when they cussing you out in practice, when they kicking you out of practice, they care <laughs> in a yeah, weird way. They do. They do. And so for me. Is gravitate towards that. Is understand that every certain people is put in our lives for certain reasons, mm-hmm. right? And you can miss it. You can miss that. You can let that person go. You can let that person walk out. You can miss that moment because maybe you're not ready. Yeah. And so the, the saying is, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. Yeah. So whenever that when that moment comes, if you find a coach, stay ready. Be ready. Be prepared. Right. Because this right here can it can change your entire. T- trajectory in life yeah. just by this one mentorship, this one coach, um, you know, that one experience. Yeah. Your book is amazing, though. I did go through the digital version of it because I was going through it yesterday. They sent that over. Um, Dwayne, your, your, your kind of whole life, your story, uh, your career. But I went through this all that. No, I know everything. I know the halftime. I know everything. Even the part you missed. <laughs> I saw everything in here. I read through this. Really inspiring. I mean, it's an amazing uh, showcase of kind of your life, your story. Yeah. But I think what's really cool is the mindset behind the scenes. So I want people to pick up a copy of this, get a get a copy for a friend or family member. It shows like everything that you've really been through, which is really cool. Um, and I want people to get this because uh, it's inspiring. It'll be a good piece. You can put it on your it's coffee top. Table. Coffee it's a, table, it's a coffee table book. It's really cool. Yeah, man. Um, it's really cool. Thank you. And uh, got stuff about your relationships. I'm curious. I don't know how many people ask you about relationships because you guys put it out there, your relationship. And I think um, the stigma is that high-profile athletes, high-profile actors, celebrities struggle in intimate relationships. That's the kind of stereotype. You see them get together, then they break up, mm-hmm. right? Just curious, what would be the three things that someone who is going to build a bigger personal brand, maybe they've got an audience, uh, maybe they're a celebrity or they're going to be a celebrity in some industry or in the world? I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PUREleaf. That's promo code 20PUREleaf for 20% off. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. 
try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. What would you say are the three keys to sustaining a healthy, quality, relationship. long-term relationship? Mm. Committed. As a, as a person who's been divorced and <laughs> made a lot of mistakes well, that's why you know. So, let me that's see. why you know, because you've made the mistakes. Um, but now you've got this incredible, well, at least seems incredible, yeah. you know, relationship and marriage. And yeah. what would you say are the three keys? Knowing that it's never perfect, but what would those three keys be? I don't know. I, I know the first one comes to mind is respect. Respect. It's respecting what the other person is, what they, you know, what they are, what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, respect, you know, in a relationship, everyone needs to feel respected. Yeah. And when you come home from a hard day at work and you've been doing this and that, you want to come home and feel like you appreciate it, you're respected for the hard work that you put in and what you provide for the house, right? And so in any relationship, in any partnership, everyone wants to feel, you know, respected for what they bring mm-hmm. and what they do. Yeah. And so I, I think it's the same in, in any relationship with my wife. She wants to feel, my wife works, she grinds, she's working right now on a movie, she's not home with, a, mm-hmm. with a, my daughter. And so I need to I need to make sure she feel appreciated, make sure she feels seen and make yeah. sure she feel, you know, okay. respected when she comes to that door. And it's not like, you know, and, and it was, and it's not easy, you know, because my life is so big and at times I can kind of yeah. get in my own life and I kind of, you know, uh, be like this a little bit, yeah. and not 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 trying to be, but you know that's showing a, a lack of uh, respect for what she do, and you know how hard she works and her position. Her position is not to always be behind me. Her position sometimes is to be behind me, to be on side of me, to be in front of me, to whatever. Right? It's it's ever evolving, mm-hmm. and so the first thing that comes to mind is respect. Yes, go with that. Okay. Number two. Okay. <sighs> Number two. <laughs> Uh, be open. Ooh. Be open. You know, I feel like when I, me and my wife first got together, I was a closed-minded person. Really? Yeah, when it came to travels, when it came to eating food, when it came oh. to conversations with people. I, and I'm st- it's still times when my wife got to come in and be like, no, I need you to do this, or you should do this, or this is why you should do this. And I'm like, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. You know, so be open-minded. Mm-hmm. You know? And I feel like being open, like if you have a partner in business, be open to his, his or her ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you are the one who started a company, but they're there for a reason. Right. So, you know, be open to suggestions. Be open to another way. Understand yeah. that mm-hmm. to lead doesn't mean you always have to lead in the front. Yeah. So, you know, be open to other ideals. And, yeah. You know, okay. And the uh, third? Let's go with that. The third one. <laughs> Healthy, long-term, committed, happy relationship. What is that third key? <laughs> be, let's see. Respect. Be, be open. open, and um, I would say because I do a lot of this. I think mm-hmm. you know a lot of people probably see socially. Like I do a lot of things, a lot of surprises for my wife. I do a lot mm-hmm. of uh, you know take you know plan a lot of things. Yeah. And the reason I do that is because we know how it is. You know, mm-hmm. listen, marriage is probably <laughs> people probably gonna be mad at me, but marriage is probably one of the most unsexiest things in the world. Mm. You get to see behind the curtain of everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you marry, you get to see everything mm-hmm. about this person, and it's not the most—it's not the sexiest thing in the world, right? To to see everything, and so to to keep the spot, to keep the you know 
to keep your you wanting or your wife wanting or you know you got to do these things you got to go on date nights yeah. you know you got to go you know change your hair up you know what I'm saying uh, you got to go spend a little money and you know go out to beautiful places you uh -huh. know so for me I, I'm like a oh, I guess I'm romantic I think yeah. being romantic is a key uh -huh. I think not just from one side both sides need the romantic yes. the romantic part of it that's cool um, if you're gonna if you go be married, yeah, you need to keep you know you got to keep some of that romantic that, that romantic part. So for me, I, I feel like it's been uh, spontaneous, yeah. it's been adventurous, um, you know, it's 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 being for me not scared to yeah. to do things that maybe don't look so macho or man don't you guy we don't do that you know it's like yeah. no my wife actually leaves the house a lot. Right, right. If you want a successful marriage and relationship, your wife actually leaves the house a lot. Yeah. She, you follow a lot too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't That's know. Great, I don't know if those are good it. ones. It's good, man. It's great. I love it. Um, I have two final questions for you. It's a question I ask called the three truths. It's a hypothetical scenario. Imagine it's your last day on earth. You get to live as long as you want to live. Okay. Uh, and you get to live all your dreams, and everything comes true. But for whatever reason, you've got to take all of your body of work with you. The book, you know, uh, this interview, any interview you've ever done, we don't have access to your information anymore. Mm. It's all to the next place. It goes with you or it goes somewhere else. Mm. But you get to leave behind. You've got a pen and a paper and you get to write down three things you know to be true about life, about your existence, about life, three lessons that you would leave behind to the world. And this is all we would have to remember you by. What would you say are those three truths for you? Now these lessons are just lessons that. What what are these lessons like? These are like things that you would leave, you would say to the world. You know, and if I could share three things to the world about the lessons on how to live a great life, mm -hmm. what would be those three lessons or three mm -hmm. things that you feel are true to you that you would want people to know about living a great life? Well, <laughs> I, I okay. So the first thing that comes to mind. Um, is some simple hard work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, you, nothing is accomplished uh, without hard work. You know, and I know some people think, "Oh, this guy got to hand it to him." No, no. if you're if you're if you're going to be great, and if you are great, even if you're good, you got to work hard at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even if you're bad, you actually got to work hard at being bad too. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> so for me, my main message to my son is about the work he put in. Mm -hmm. It's about hard work. <clears throat> okay, number two, that'd be one. Number two, lesson that I will leave behind. Um, patience. Mm. Uh, I believe that as people, we all need a little bit more of this. And, and, and I'm not talking about in every aspect. Some things need to hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we need more patience in traffic. <laughs> like, we need more patience with each other. Mm. We need more, more patience in relationships to understand that you come from a totally different place than I. Yeah. You come from a totally different background. So I need mm -hmm. patience to learn, to listen. You know what I mean? And we don't have a lot of that. We're in a world right now where it's the cancel, you out. Mm -hmm. I have some patience. All right, teach me, educate me. Um, so patience. Yeah, okay. And number three. So hard work, patience. And the third one, if I had to leave <clears throat> something, would be energy. Mm. Amen to that. Energy. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the energy you put out is the energy you receive. Mm -hmm. The way you treat others is the way you, you know, if you treat someone bad, they may not treat you bad. If you're treating people bad, you may not be treated bad, but somebody in your family may. 
So I treat you try to treat others like you want people in your family to be treated. You treat mm-hmm. others with the respect, with you know, I look you in the eye when we talk or shake your hand, mm-hmm. whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. try to treat people the way you want to be. So the right. energy you give out to me is what you receive back. Yeah. So energy. It's a great truth, man. Um, I've got one final question, but uh, before I share the final question, make sure you guys get a copy of the book. Really inspiring book. Um, a lot of great lessons, a lot of great images, stories. I mean, you've had an incredible career, and I feel like it's just getting started. This is like, <laughs> this is like, you know, uh, this is period number two for you. You know, this is like you had your NBA career. Now it's like you're not even a halftime. Yet. Oh, I'm in, I'm in pregame. In my you're new pregame. Life. Yeah, I'm in pregame. Yeah, I'm in pregame. I'm in pregame. I'm in pregame. Yeah. But uh, get a copy. Get a copy for your friends. Um, and uh, spread the message about the book. Really inspiring book, and I'm glad I got to go through it last night. It was really cool. Before I ask the final question, uh, Dwayne, I want to acknowledge you for a moment for being an incredible human being. Again, all the people I reached out to and asked about you, they didn't talk about how amazing you were as a player. They talked about how incredible you are with your heart. And so I really acknowledge you for the gift that you are, how you show up with energy, how you show up and the impact you've made. I mean, you're a mentor to so many kids, just the way Michael was for you. You don't even know the impact you've made on so many kids' lives who are now growing up that got to watch you play. Yeah. And so I really acknowledge you for how you've shown up every single day on and off the court. Not perfect human being, obviously, we all make mistakes, but you keep showing up authentically you. And for me, that's pretty cool to watch. So yeah. I, I acknowledge you for that. And it's a and I'm rooting for you for many, many years, man. I hope you have a lot of success because you deserve it. Man, um, I, got, I, got, I got a little warm. And <laughs> thank you, man. I just got a little course, warm. Of thank course, you. man. Of course, man. Uh, and my final question is, what's your definition of greatness? Consistency. Yeah. To be great, you got to be consistent. You got to do it. You got to do it every day. You know, when you think about the greatest player to ever, the, the greatest players or player, depending on what mm-hmm. you want to talk about, to ever play the game, it's the consistency in that player. LeBron James is one of the greatest because he hasn't missed a lot of games. <laughs> He's been consistent. Um, so for me, you know, that's that's the thing I strive for is to mm-hmm. be consistent and understanding that we are imperfect human beings. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to lack in certain areas. But I try to be a consistent presence, a consistent voice, um, you know, a consistent person, yeah. you know. And so I feel like if you if you can focus in on the consistency of life. Um, you know, that's the thing that will get you to greatness. Now, yeah. at different times, you may get there. It may take you 20 years to get there. It may take you a one year. But just stay consistent. Stay true to you. Stay consistent to the work. Um, and that's what greatness follows. And I, I think, and I'm going to mess it up, but Will Smith said this recently. Mm. And shout out to Will. He's on his book tour. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's weird, too, that his book is called Will. And mine's called Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> cool. um, but he said, and I, and I talked to my son about it. And like I said, I may mess the quote up, but, you know, is... And I always tell my son, I say, listen, the goal is every day is to put one foot in front of the next, right? Is no matter how hard yesterday was, it's every day get out of bed mm-hmm. and something that you believe in and you want, then go at it every day. And if you put enough good days together, you fuck around and have a good life. Mm. And to me, that's consistency. Yeah. It's putting enough consistent days together. You mess around and you have a good life. Whew. And so, uh, I use I tell my son that all the time, and then Will said, and I was like, uh, <laughs> he "This is what I was saying." Yeah, yeah. So um, consistency. Yeah. I love that, my man. Thank you very much. My hands sweaty. So, so good. Appreciate you very much, man. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.